It's good to be back in the Lord's house here tonight. Thankful for the privilege we have to stand here. And you would, turn with me in your Bibles tonight to the book of 1 Chronicles, chapter number 28. The book of 1 Chronicles, chapter number 28. There tonight, for just a few minutes, as the Lord allows us there, we'll start reading in verse number 1 to get our context there tonight. 1 Chronicles, chapter 28, and verse number 1. And if you would, when you found your place, if you would, stand in reverence to the reading of the Word of God there tonight. 1 Chronicles, chapter number 28. Verse number 1, and the word says, And David assembled all the princes of Israel, the princes of the tribes, and the captains of the companies that ministered to the king by course, and the captains over the thousands, and the captains over the hundreds, and the stewards over all the substance and possession of the king, and of his sons with their officers, and with the mighty man, and with all the valiant man unto Jerusalem. Then David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren, and my people. As for me, I had in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and had made ready for the building. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. Howbeit the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he hath chosen Judah to be the ruler. And of the house of Judah, the house of my father, and among the sons of my father, he liked me to make me king over all Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon my son to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. And he said unto me, Solomon thy son, he shall build my house and my courts. For I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever." If he be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now therefore in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. And thou, Solomon, my son, know thou God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth all hearts, and understandeth all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. Take heed now, for the Lord hath chosen thee to build an house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Let's read in verses 1 through 10 of 1 Chronicles chapter 28. We would like to focus there tonight for a few minutes. Verse number 3 said, But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build an house for my name, because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. I'd like to think about that thought there tonight and that phrase, a man of war. Let's pray. I'm most kind and gracious to do Father, Lord, we thank you once again. Lord, for the opportunity, the privilege, Lord, and the honor we had to be gathered back in your house here tonight to serve and to worship you, dear Lord. Father, I thank you for all the many blessings you have given to us. Thank you most of all for salvation. Lord, forgive us for our sins. Lord, forgive us for the times we have failed you. Lord, take the reading of your word here tonight. Bless it and use it as you see fit. Lord, just take the reins of the service, dear Lord. Lord, let all things be done to glorify you. Lord, be careful to give you the praise and the glory and honor for it all. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated there tonight. As we think about David being a man of war, you know, war is a sad thing and a sad consequence of sin that we see in this world. Any loss of life and destruction is certainly a terrible thing. It has been something that has plagued humanity. Going all the way back to the first murder, there's always been one conflict over another that has plagued mankind. As part of our trip, as part of seeing what 
was there as far as history and had in such a round. One of the places we spent some time at was Gettysburg. And any of you that may be history buffs or like things about the Civil War, Gettysburg was the site of the bloodiest battle that was ever fought in American soil. Some 60,000 men was going to be killed, wounded, or missing in action by the end of this three-day battle. It was a difficult ordeal as far as both sides go, but it was also the turning point of the war. It was the first time that the Union had gotten a victory over the South and the, and the Confederacy. But as we was going through the battlefield, and especially I wanted to go to where the North Carolina Monument was, of course being from our home state, North Carolina had actually contributed more soldiers than any other state out of all the states that represented there at the battle. It also suffered the most casualties out of any other state that was there at the battle. And there's a monument specifically there near what would have been the Confederate line on day three where they marched across a mile-long field. And looking over at this day, and if you looked out through there, you wouldn't notice anything amiss. It looked peaceful. It looked much like it would have then. It's undeveloped. It's still farmland with some of the same farmhouses still standing that have been preserved or some houses that have been restored to resemble what it would have been like at that day and age. But to think that peaceful scene some 160 years ago was a sight that so many lost their lives because they believed in a cause. One side or the other, not going to get political, not going to do anything there, but they believed so much in what they were fighting for that they were willing to go across that field or they were willing to stand firm at the wall that they were at in defense of their flag, in defense of their cause, and they were willing to lay down their lives for it. David was given a task. He had a desire upon his heart that he wanted to go out and he wanted to build the house of God. And yet the desire he had, it was nothing wrong with it. It was certainly a noble desire. It was certainly something that was not wrong by any means, but it was not the job that God had given to David. That job was going to fall to his son, as we saw reading there in the scripture. But here we think about those conflicts, think of what we see in the world and how David had those conflicts. And we also see there tonight that there are also spiritual conflicts that have been waging from the very beginning as well in spiritual warfare. Certainly wanted to go to that battlefield and wanted to think and wanted to think upon those that had fought and honor their memory and think about their sacrifice and think about the great tragedy that happened during that day. But also begin to reflect upon that and thinking about the causes that are worth dying for. The causes that are worth picking up and picking up and fighting. But I also believe it's a noble cause for you and I to pick up the bloodstained banner and to carry forth the cause of Christ so that the generations that are to come after us can still have it to carry on, just as our forefathers before have stood firm. Many have given their lives so that you and I could have an English copy of the Bible. Many of them gave their lives so that you and I would be able to have a, a, a denomination, so we'd be able to have our, gave their lives so we could have the church that was going to keep carrying on and were martyred for the cause of Christ. If you've ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs, it's a difficult book to read. Gives great detail about what so many men and women and entire families, in some cases communities, had endured for the cause of Christ. And they thought it worth it to go out and to give everything that they had for the cause of Christ. David, we see here in the scripture, as we know the Bible said, was a man after God's own heart. He wasn't perfect. He sinned. He messed up. He fell. But he repented still back to God. And everywhere do we see in the scripture that ever God had changed his mind and said he wasn't a man after God's own heart. He was given a blessing. He was given a task that was there. David was a man that was given the task of fighting the battles of his time that needed to be fought. You and I, we don't have to look far to see battles that need to be fought. 
It may not have been in the revolution and picking up a musket and taking up arms against a red coat or dumping the tea in the harbor or ringing a Liberty Dale and thinking about the Declaration of Independence that was signed. It may not be someone who picked up arms during World War I or World War II whenever things began to look bleak upon the free world. But you and I still have a cause and a reason to pick up our Bibles and to pray and to put on the whole armor of God and to fight each and every day for the spiritual ground that God has given to us to protect and to fight, carry it on. He's already promised us the victory. We know how it's going to end. We're not going to be perfect with times we're going to fail, times we may fall, but we keep getting right back up and we keep pressing on. As that song just we sung just a few minutes ago, press on. And thinking about farther along, I got to thinking, you can almost put in just a little farther along. I believe it's getting closer every day. No longer looking at the signs of the times, but listening for the trumpet to sound. Much more of our time is going to be short. How much less time we have to go out and to fight and to stand strong and to proclaim the gospel to a lost and a dying world. There's a nation out there. There's a world out there that is looking for something that is going to be permanent. Not something that is fleeting. Not something that is just going to temporarily give them the peace and the joy and the comfort that they look for. They're looking for something permanent that they can latch on to. That they can stand firm on. And they can know and have a true purpose in this life. You and I have got the key to it. David was a man of war. He had a desire to do one thing. But God had a job for him to do another thing. He wanted to build the house of God. God disallowed that purpose for God had another purpose for David. Verse 39, I want you to notice David's desire. We saw that in 1 Chronicles 28 and verse number 2. It said that David the king stood up upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people. As for me, I had in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. He had a noble and a good intention. He wanted to build a house that the Ark of the Covenant gave me into. He desired to build the temple. You would go back and you would find that during this day and age, until the building and the completion of Solomon's temple, the Ark of the Covenant still abode in the tents and still abode in the tabernacle there. Many times it was located at Shiloh. Think about Samuel, think about Eli, think about many of the judges that was there made reference to it. The Ark of the Covenant still abode there. David who abode in a house of cedar, we would see here in 2 Samuel in just a moment, was someone who wanted to go out and wanted to have that place that was going to be even more grand than what he himself lived in. He believed that the house of God should be something that stood out and looked better than any of the houses that it had around him. And certainly in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 7, verse number 1, it says this, And it came to pass, when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies, that the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go to all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. He let it be known that he had a desire. He said, I'm going to go and I'm going to build the house. I'm going to build the, what his house is going to be. I'm going to build the temple that's there. Nathan at first said, God's with you. You do what you feel that needs to be done. But we'll see here in the next few verses that God wasn't the purpose that God had planned for him. You'd even go on later on that you would see that David had gathered together gold and silver, some of the wood that was going to be used in the construction, many of the things that would have been ready to build the temple of God. He got ready because he knew that even though he couldn't do it, he was going to make every effort he could to make sure that the building of that house was going to happen. He was blazing a path. He was setting the stage so that those who come behind him 
would be able to see his desire and would be able to act upon it there. Verse 11 in this Second Samuel chapter number 7 says this, And this is when the word of the Lord is speaking unto Nathan during the night. It has since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel. And I have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies. Also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. And when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. He had a desire. But God said, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's a good desire. There's nothing wrong with it. But that's not the job I've given to you. That's going to be the one who's going to come after you. He's going to take care of that. You've got something here. We see David's desire, but notice David's duty. God had given him something to do. I believe God gives each and every one of us something to do. Not everybody's meant to be a preacher, teacher, missionary, deacon, Sunday school teacher, fill in the blank with whatever you have there. All of us have got a different calling in this life. I believe God puts us right where He wants us so that we can be an influence and be a witness and have a testimony to those that's around us. You never know who you're going to impact. Even when we were up there in Pennsylvania, we were walking through Walmart. No trip would be complete without going to Walmart now, would it? Going to get a few little groceries, a few little snacks, those things that you need, that you might need during the week so we wouldn't have to carry it with us. We got it while we were there. I was walking through the aisles, and I forget what we were even looking at, but it just caught my attention. I heard somebody say, hey, do you have a moment I can tell you about Jesus? There's someone up there in the north, had some tracks in his hand, and was uh, taking the time to stop to us in the grocery store and wanting to talk to us about Jesus. Of course, I turned around and I said, I'm so glad that you're doing that. We get to talk to him just a little bit, tell him a little bit about where we were from, and let him know that I preached. We got to talking a little bit, and he went to forget what name of church he said that was up there. But even in a place that you're completely hundreds of miles away from, still there was somebody who was willing to go out and spread some salt. So someone who's willing to go out and spread some seed. You never know what opportunities God's going to give to you. If you look for it, it'll be there. I'm recalled, reminded of a story about a preacher's wife from many years ago who became very sick and it was very difficult for her to get out of the house. And her husband, of course, would go and he would preach and go to many locations and travel all around and she was not able to go much. But she was a prayer warrior. So she began to pray and began to call out to God and say, Lord, I can't really get out and do much. I'm limited but would you send them to me? She began to pray for that. But just a couple of days later, mailman had a special delivery there. What did she begin to do? She began to provide the gospel of God, gospel of Christ. A couple of days later, opened the door, someone trying to sell some books. She had another one to witness to. A couple of days later, had someone trying to sell the vacuum cleaner. This is in the days before the internet and everything that we've got, back when they used to go door to door and sell these things. But God sent opportunities to her. Even though she couldn't go to them, she was still willing and God provided the opportunities. If you and I have the mindset, if you and I have the drive, if you and I have the desire to do a work for God, God will provide a way no matter what our circumstance is so we can make a difference for Him. David was no exception. David, as we see in the title of the message there tonight, was a man of war. You know, but it's interesting. He'd not always been a man of war. He used to just keep his father's flock. He was there that he was going to keep the sheep. And of course, when God used him in a great and a mighty way. And sometimes I like to put myself in the, in the shoes of the people that's in the Bible and think to myself, what would I do if I was in their situations? How would I act? What would be my decision? What would be my thinking? What thoughts would go through my mind? Could you imagine being that little boy out there keeping the, keeping the flock of your father and all of a sudden have a messenger come to you and say, oh, Samuel's wanting to see you. 
Samuel was a name that would have been well known in his day and age. He was a prophet of God. He was God's messenger. Could you imagine that boy just thinking, why does the man of God want to see me for? I'm just a little shepherd boy out here that's keeping the sheep. And he went there and what did God tell Samuel? He said, that is the one. Anoint him to be king of Israel. And he began to be anointed. And even then, could you imagine the gravity that would have begun settling in his mind? And also even thinking to himself, but Saul is still king. Why has God anointed me to be king? Could you imagine the responsibility? Could you imagine the thoughts that would go through his mind? But it wasn't an immediate change. But I believe God sets things in motion step by step. Not everything always happens overnight. Sometimes it starts with one small step. One big step, another few small steps, and maybe another big one. Fast forward a little bit. You would find that he was given the opportunity to where he was going to be able to demonstrate himself in the book of 1 Samuel in chapter number 17. Very familiar passage of Scripture. 1 Samuel chapter number 17, verse number 33. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. That's some encouraging words, ain't it? David had been going out there saying, What's this Philistine doing? What are y'all doing? I'm back here. He's out there blaspheming the, the holy God of Israel. He's out there going against y'all. Why isn't somebody going out there and facing off of him in the power of God? And word got back. Saul had him come up there. And he said, You're just a youth. You're just a boy. But he is a man of war from his youth. He's trained for this. He's a giant. He's fought and trained for battle all of his life. That has been his job every single day. He is a fearsome adversary. He is someone that's going to be armored, someone who's going out there and not afraid at all to taunt the armies of Israel. But what did David say? Verse number 34. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this circumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. He said he may be a man of war from his youth, and I may not have all that training, but I serve a God who is able to deliver my enemies into my hand. He, that day he made a decision that he was going to go out on faith. He knew that God was able to deliver that lion and that bear and he was able to rescue that lamb. He was able to get a victory in more ways than one. He didn't just avenge the lamb. He killed the adversary and rescued the lamb. He had faith that God did it then and he had faith that God was going to do it for him that day as he faced down the Philistine. He may have just been a boy, but he had faith in God. He was facing down the giant. It was noted that he was just a boy, but he did not let that stop him. God uses young people in more ways than you ever imagined. David took no hope in his own ability, but he took a hope in the ability of God to work with even the weak things of this world. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 27 says this, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. You know, it would have been a different telling of a story if David had been trained from war on. People could have said, well, it was because he had such great martial skill. Because he knew how to go out and handle himself with a sword and a shield and to handle himself in combat. But no, God uses the weak things of this world. 
the most unlikely things of this world to accomplish His will. Why? Because it leaves no room for doubt that God was the one who orchestrated it. God was the one who brought about in His power to go out and to bring about a great victory and to glorify Himself in the weak things of this world. He does that every single day. He uses the weak things to go out and bring glory to Himself. Likewise, the Bible Scripture mentions there, He uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. There are many things through history that have been debated, things that have been studied, and things that have been touted as scientific discoveries that have been referenced and mentioned in the Bible and have been there for centuries. Why? Because this book was written by the very one who made those same scientific laws and those same scientific things that are out there. God is all the time above anything that man is ever going to be able to break up. Man is never going to cross that threshold. David knew that God was able to deliver his adversary. We know how the story went. He went out and chose himself five smooth stones. And he went out there before. Again, put yourself in his shoes. Some people may say that took some guts, that took some courage, but above all, I believe that took some faith. Saul even gave him a chance to go out and try that armor, but he says, I keep fighting this. I've not proved it. I'm not used to it. Just let me go as I am and I'll be able to take care of it. Put yourself in the soldiers' shoes, the ones that were watching the battle. Could you imagine some of them? What boy is that over there? Who is that that's going over there to go and fight the giant? He doesn't have a sword. He doesn't have any armor on. What's he doing? Just a boy going out there and facing down Goliath the giant. But David still went out there and he chose him five smooth stones. He took the first one. He let that rock fly. And I believe God guided it just like a cruise missile. Went it straight into the forehead of that giant. And he fell. It said that it lodged itself there, became stuck. He fell down. It says there was no sword found in his hand. What did he do? Went up to Goliath's sword, cut off his head. Defeated the giant right then and there, no questions asked. And it says whenever that happened, the whole host of the Philistines, they began to tremble, they got fear, and they turned and they began to run because their champion was dead. God brought about a victory and the children of Israel came out and pursued. You read on down even find out that Saul even asked Abner's captain and said, Whose boy is this? Old Abner said, O king, as long as I soul liveth, I cannot tell you. I don't know who he is. He said, Go find out. He come down and said that he was the son of Jesse the Bethlehemite. One boy, David, had faith that God was going to be able to take care of whatever obstacles stood in his path. And I heard it mentioned to me when I was just young, just getting started out preaching, that God always rewards faithfulness. And God indeed always rewards faithfulness. You see it here in the story of David and Goliath. He was faithful that God was going to deliver that adversary. No matter how large, no matter how ugly it was, no matter how defiant they were, no matter how intimidating they were, God gave about the victory. You'd even find that in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter number 11, Verse number 32, it says, And what more shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also and Samuel and other prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens you would find that David mentioned there in that list was one of many that God had used, most unlikely of people to bring about His glory. 
David had a game of cat and mouse with Saul for quite some time, but more than once, David had the opportunity, he could have took Saul, but he knew he shouldn't touch God's anointed. Eventually, David had come to be reigning upon, and reigned over the children of Israel. We've seen it mentioned here twice in our readings of Scripture there tonight, that God gave him rest from many of his enemies that were round about. We won't read it there tonight for time's sake, but if you was to go and read about the accomplishments of David's as a king, you would find that he had subdued the Moab, Syria, and we could go down the list of all those that he had subdued and conquered and put to tribute, even had a garrison that was in Damascus. Secular history would go back and tell you that during this time period around King David was the time that Israel was recognized as a world power. It was someone who had established an empire and God allowed them to rise and be able to have peace in the land. God allowed them. If you remember, they had mentioned there before also in the scripture we read, the judges had been, the children of Israel would come and they would follow God and worship after God. Generation comes up, they would turn away from God. God brings about judgment. A judge comes in to deliver them and the cycle would repeat itself. It came down there towards the end, went towards the near end of Samuel that they said they wanted a king, wanted to be like everybody else. Well, they got Saul. Saul went out and Saul did a lot of good initially there in the beginning and there's a whole other message I've got about that. I believe I preached it here before. You can go on about Saul and about all the things that he did that was wrong and the one thing that really sets apart from him and David. Yes, they both messed up, but I never see where Saul repented and brought it back to God. David did. Saul eventually lost his life, lost the battle that was there. The King David... God rewarded him with a victory. He saw peace from his enemies round about. He was a man of war that went out and fought and was defeating the adversaries that was going against God's people. He secured peace. His duty was to set the stage and to bring Israel to the place that God intended for them there. One of the verses, I don't have it marked there, it even mentions that he restored their border towards Euphrates, took back the land that was there. Because he was restoring the nation of Israel back to the way God intended for them to be. He had a desire to build a house of God. Because he himself dwelt in a house of cedar and had a nice palace. But he had the Ark of the Covenant still dwelt in the tents. But God used him in his duty and in his way to set the stage for what was going to take place. He was a man of war that was needed to fight those battles. May I say to you there tonight that we also have battles that need to be fought in another realm. And that is a realm of spiritual warfare that you and I fight on a daily basis. We need people who are willing to stand and to fight and to lead and to charge the very gates of hell. The Bible even says that he, upon this rock will I build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Have you ever seen gates move? They open and they close, but they stay put in a fixed position. I believe we ought to be on the offense. Shouldn't need to be on the defense. As you said this morning, it shouldn't just be in survival mode. It ought to be going out and being proactive, taking the fight to the world, taking the fight that's out there, and doing what we can to fight for the cause of Christ. Just like David was used as a man of war. Not only do we see David's desire and his duty, but also notice David's dividend. That is his reward. He was rewarded above and beyond because of his faith and following in God. In our main text, we see in 1 Chronicles chapter number 28, in verse number 4, it said, How be it the Lord God of Israel chose me before all the house of my father to be king over Israel forever. For he had chosen Judah to be the ruler of the house of Judah, the house of my father. And among the sons of my father, he liked me to make me king over all Israel. And of all my sons, for the Lord hath given me many sons, he hath chosen Solomon, my son, to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. 
And he said unto me, Solomon thy son, he shall build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son, and I will be his father. Moreover, I will establish his kingdom forever. If he be be constant to do my commandments and my judgments as at this day. Now therefore in the sight of all Israel, the congregation of the Lord, and in the audience of our God, keep and seek for all the commandments of the Lord your God, that ye may possess this good land, and leave it for an inheritance for your children after you forever. And he charged Solomon here. Verse number 10. Take ye now for the Lord had chosen thee to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. God gave David a promise. In fulfillment of accomplishing his duty. Notice, not his desire, but his duty to see it through and to prepare the way for the ones who has come after him. His posterity, if you would, there. God honored him with the legacy of giving him that promise that his kingdom was going to be established forever upon Israel that was going to be there. And ultimately, you and I know that the line of Christ descended out of the line of David. Christ himself even going and being born in the same town of Bethlehem where David was from as well. In the line of Jesse. In the line that's always back. God had cemented and given him the promise. The man after God's own heart was given the promise that was there. This is referenced again in 2 Samuel in chapter number 7. Whenever Nathan there was uh, being presented by the vision of God and God was telling him what he was to say to David. Verse number 13, it said, He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of man, with the stripes of the children of man. But this is interesting. But my mercy shall not depart away from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. His kingdom was established forever in his mercy. Oh, think about that mercy. The mercy that had departed from Saul. Saul, remember, never repented of his sin. David did. He paid for it. He pronounced that he was going to go out and said that he was going to pay back fourfold for that lamb. Nathan told him, he said, Thou art the man. He lost four of his children. He paid for his sin. He bore the consequence from it, but he repented before God and made himself righteous there once more because of his faith that he had in God. For that work to take place, for that work for the house of God truly to be there, David had to fulfill his duty and set the stage for what was going to take place. Had to set the stage for the kingdom of Israel to be their world power. They were given that by the grace of God. God needed to have those foes defeated round about so they could have a time of peace. So they could have a time of prosperity. God rewarded them for their faith. Solomon would come up to rise after David. Ruled in a great time of prosperity. You can go and you can find it in your Bible and you read about his rule and all the different things that it had as far as his wealth goes. It even says at that point in time that silver was counted as stones. They had so much silver it was worthless. It's better off to use it than just walking on the ground. And they were blessed with gold. He had fleets of ships that would go out and would come back with talents of gold. He had gold flowing in immeasurably. You even find that David during his Conquest, and God allowed him to have the victory. Had assembled much things together that was going to be gold and brass and iron and silver, things that had been dedicated for the house of God. Solomon inherited that. Solomon began to add more to it. And Solomon was able to set to work and able to build the temple and the house of God. But I don't believe he would have been able to do it if it wasn't for David, the man of war, who did it first. See, it took someone to go ahead and to lay the groundwork and lay the preparation 
for that work to take place. David was called to be a man of war. And you and I, I'm sure if we looked around and we thought about today, you and I would agree that we need Christians to stand up and be like David. That are willing to be a man of war. Not go out and pick up a musket or an AR and go out and physically fight a battle, but to go out and be a warrior that's going to be in your Bible and to pray and to seek God's face and to go out and be willing to do the work of God like the man in the grocery store. Say and take a moment to see about Jesus. Not everybody is able to do that and understand that. But whatever calling that God has given you, to honor that and to faithfully follow it through. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4 says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Don't need to be tangled up with the affairs of this world. Don't need to be distracted by what's happening around us. We just need to keep our eyes focused on Him. The one who's laid the path out in front of us. The one who's given us His Word. That lets us know every step that we need to take. The one who has given us the guidance that is there. We need to trust in God and have the faith. And be willing to fight the difficult fight. You know, it's oftentimes said that when soldiers would go out and that they would fight, of course, the, we ought to talk about a lot of the bravado, a lot of the things that they go out and they stand and they fight for, and ultimately they do, but in the heat of the moment, they really fight for each other. They remember the ones that stand next to them. Whatever fight you've got in front of you, think about, one, think about the Savior fighting for, the one who sent you and called you to be a soldier, but also think about the ones around you that are dependent upon you. I think about my family. I think about my little girl and soon-to-be little boy. What type of a world am I going to leave behind for them? If the Lord tears is coming, what are they going to find? Was I able to make any bit of a difference in their lives and to lay the foundation that they would be able to build upon and to set the stage so that they could do what needed to be done for God? Maybe you can say the same. You think about the generation that's coming behind us. Our forefathers are run before us, have blazed trails, laid foundations, did a work for God so that you and I could come in and be able to keep the work going. There was a song that I heard some time ago, and I don't think I've heard it any time recently. I don't think I remember all the lyrics, but the gist of it, especially the chorus, was who is going to fill their shoes one day. There's a lot of shoes that are becoming empty as time goes and marches on. Many of them are going unfilled. Many of them are going where there's nobody to fill in the gap that's left. We need Christians to be like David. Willing to go out and not afraid to fight. Have faith, even in the face of great adversity. Even in the face of giants. It may not be what we truly and ultimately desire. We have a goal that we're working toward. But God can use the desire that you have to fulfill the calling that He has made upon your life. You may have a goal that you can see out there that you can see happening one day. It may not happen in your lifetime. But God can still use you to bring about that end product. Could you just imagine what's happened or what rewards some of these men of God and ladies of God have had in the past that have prayed for people to be saved, such as D.L. Moody? Maybe think about Charles Spurgeon. We can go on down the line of those preachers and missionaries, Sunday school teachers, and all those that have gone there before and the people who laid the foundation and prayed over them and fought for them so that they would be saved and so that they would be able to go out and serve God. It took people before them. It's going to take us 
to keep it going for the people that's coming after us as well. Many years ago, there was a young man by the name of Roberts. And he had a burden upon his heart that he wanted to start praying for revival in his country and where he was at. And he began to have such a burden about it and praying and looking over his Bible. And he went up to the pastor of the church and the pastor of the church just kept shooting down saying, no, we can't, don't have time for that tonight. No, we can't do that tonight. But he was persistent. He kept on. There came a time when the preacher said, all right, you can have a little Bible study meeting, whatever you want to call it, after church tonight to any of those who want to stay behind. That's what they did. There was maybe about a ten or a dozen of them, primarily young people that stayed. And he poured out his burden for revival. It is burden that God would do something, that God would move in a great and a mighty way. And they began to pray and began to go into the night. And then it began to happen that people started coming, people started getting saved. Revival began to start up in the church. And then it began to spread to the community. And then it began to spread through their little nation that they had that was there. God began to move and save souls. Began to move into the cities and the stories say that the move of God got so great that the bars began to shut down. Because there was no longer anyone going to them because they had no desire for the alcohol after they were saved. They say that whenever ships begin to approach the ports, they would dock and they would say, is there someone here that could come and talk to us about Jesus, the power of God had settled upon that place, that the conviction began to sit in upon their hearts before they even got to the port that they were going to. It became known as what's known as the Welsh Revival. It all started because one young man decided he was going to get a burden and he was going to have some faith and he was going to keep after it. God takes and uses the most unlikely of people to do great works for him. We may look at ourselves and say, I'm just a nobody. I can't do anything. And that may be true, but God just needs a willing vessel. Someone who's willing to surrender and just give him the opportunity to work through you. David was just a young man when God began to use him for great and mighty things. God allowed him to have the victory of the lion and the bear. God allowed him to rescue that lamb. God gave him the victory over Goliath. God began to give David victory after victory. It wasn't an easy road. He had setbacks. He had difficulties. But he still kept pressing on. And even when he came to the throne, he wasn't perfect. He still messed up. But God still honored him as a man after God's own heart. He still had faith. He still fought. He still did what he knew was right. And he had his eyes set on the prize. You and I need to be like old Paul. He is pressing for the mark for the high calling of Christ. When he got down and he knew his time was limited. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I have kept the faith. Ask ourselves, will we be able to say that? Whenever the time comes that the Lord calls us home, whether it be in the rapture, whether it be by the way of the grave here, would we be able to say, I fought a good fight, I have kept the faith, I finished the course, would we be able to say that I have done the duty that God has given to me? Much like David was a man of war and God had used him to obtain peace and to set the stage so that the house which he wanted to see built, the work of God that he wanted to see completed, it could be done. Are we doing what God has us, wants us to do to set the stage for it? pastor talked this morning about the wall and how walls separate and how that wall needed to be built. Now, I shared this in the prayer room. I couldn't help but think about whenever I was in elementary school in one of the chapel messages. I don't remember the preacher. I don't remember much about what was there, but what I do remember is he preached from Nehemiah and every so often he would say, what are we doing? And we were supposed to answer, we're building a wall. 
because it was driving home the importance that all of us were participating in building and working for the calling and the work of God. Nehemiah had used all those that was there for the work of God. They had different jobs. They had their own different sections that they were going to build on. But God used them in a great and a mighty way. All of us have got a part of the work. Are we taking care of it there? Brother Seth, would you mind coming to the piano there tonight? Maybe there's something that you need to bring before the Lord and lay it down at His feet and say, Lord, I've got an insurmountable obstacle. I've got a giant that's in my life that I need to be taken care of. Would you help me to fight that giant? Lord, spoken to you there tonight. Maybe you just want to come forward and pray about whatever obstacles you've got. Lord, there is a desire of my heart that I want to set something for my children, that I can leave something behind for them that they would be able to come and still worship and to still follow you. Maybe you just want to be that example and that leader in your home and in your family. Maybe there's someone else that you know of that's going through a difficult time, a trial and a hardship. Someone that you know that is facing a giant and you just want to come and offer them up in prayer. The Bible says, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill ye the law of Christ. Always remember to pray for each other. Pray for pastor and the revival this week. I pray it'd spill over there and it'd come back here. Pray for the connect groups that God would continue to move in those groups and that people in those groups would grow and that we could see something sprout forth and grow from there as well because see revival. <coughs> Father God, we thank you. We thank you that you're able to save that old sinner like me. And Lord, we thank you for that love, that mercy, and that grace, dear Lord, you showed to us. Father, we know we're not perfect. Father, we know there are times we fail you. Lord, things, times that we go against you and we sin. But God, I'm thankful that you're a God of second chances. And God, that you're still able to forgive us. Lord, that you're chasing us and you'll bring us back to you. Lord, you bring about that chasing to grow us and to help us to come back and follow you. Father, help us, dear God, as we go out and as we seek the calling and the duty that you have upon our lives. Lord, help us as we face down those battles, as we face the giants, as we face the enemies round about us. Lord, help us to keep our head held high, to keep our eyes focused upon you, our leader, as you guide us through the fights, as you guide us on to victory. Lord, help us, dear God. Help us, dear Lord, to hold high the bloodstained banner, to hold high the light and point souls to Calvary, dear God. Lord, help us to be a light guiding the generations coming behind us. Lord, help us to keep the doors open. Lord, help us to lay the foundations and the groundwork and to gather the supplies. And Lord, to keep do all things that's going to set the stage for the future generations. God, help us, dear Lord, in whatever calling that you have given to us. Lord, I pray that you be the revival there tonight. Please be a pastor, Darren, just to have your will and your way and move. God, we pray that we see souls saved. We pray that you would see your people revitalized, dear God. Not only there, but round about our land and across our nation, dear God, as we pray for revival, as we pray for that latter rain, dear God, the blessing to fall once more. Remember thy people, dear God. And Father, we thank you for everything that you have done for us, what you are doing and what you promise you shall do. Lord, we love you, Lord Jesus. For in Jesus' name we do ask and pray. Amen. Amen.